Well, this morning I want to talk to you about two enemies that we're all going to need to face and defeat in our lives. And I want to talk to you today about your overcrowded life. I've been overcrowded for a while and I understand what it's like to live an overcrowded life and and the repercussions of that. And so go with me to Matthew chapter 13. I want to start in verse 5. Jesus is telling a story. It's actually called a parable, which is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And Jesus is telling this story about a farmer that's sowing his seeds. He's sowing some seeds and he's throwing his seeds out on the soil. And he talks about the three different places that the seed falls. In one place, it falls on good soil. And man, it, it grows up and produces a great harvest. But then there's a couple other places the seed falls and it doesn't do so well. It's, it, so we pick up the, the, the story in verse 5 and it says this, Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. You see, it's important for us when somebody gets saved to help them and disciple them to get their roots down deep so they can get some of the moisture they need to continue to live. Amen? It's important to disciple people because discipleship is what digs your roots down deep. So when the sun comes and the sun comes out and the heat of life comes... We can tap into the things that we need to survive and then still thrive. Amen. And then it says this, other seeds fell among the thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. So some of it fell on shallow ground and when it came up quickly, it died off quickly. And then other seed fell among the thorns, it says. And when it, when it wanted to grow, the thorns grew up and then actually choked out the seed so that it could not produce what it needed to produce. A great story. It's a real thing. It happens that way. You can throw seed in a certain place and it just won't grow, right? Jesus, in verse 22, explains the translation of this parable to his disciples. He said, the seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. It was the, it was the, the worries of this life and the lure of of wealth. Some translations say the deceitfulness of riches that choked out the seed that was planted and it couldn't produce any fruit. I want to talk to you today about your overcrowded life and how sometimes your life can be so overcrowded that it chokes out the seed that God put in your life years ago. It's true for every one of us. No one's exempt. We can all come to a place where we get overcrowded with the worries of this life and the, and the concerns and the desires for riches that we end up losing something that was more valuable than what we went after. Amen? It'll choke out the prophetic word that was spoken over your life. It'll choke out the purpose that God has for you, the plans that he has for you. When you were in your mother's womb and he was forming your inner parts and he was knitting you together, he had a plan and a purpose for your life. And if you're not careful, you'll let the cares of this world and the desire for riches choke out the prophetic word and plan that God has for your life. And you'll wake up one day and you'll go, you know what? I missed it. How did I miss it? 
You missed it because you let the cares of this life, desires for riches, choke out the plans that God has for you. Begins to choke out God's purpose for your life. I'm preaching today to people that have that are blessed, people that have been blessed, people that have had promotion in their life, people that have had success in your life. Because you see, it's easy when you don't have much to give to God. But it gets really, really difficult when God starts to bless you and give you stuff and things, and then you start hanging on to it too tight, and you get so concerned with trying to keep it that you can't even give it back. I used to think when we were broke that, man, one day when I got some money, I'm really going to bless some people. It didn't happen. There's a deceitfulness in there. There's a trick of the enemy in there. It's mixed in there. And if you're not careful, you'll get caught up in it and you'll get so concerned with it that you'll choke out the things that God has for you. You'll have too many appointments, too many concerns, too many worries, too many places to go, too many people to meet, too many things to do. If we're not careful. So today I want to talk about the two enemies of stuff and things. Stuff and things. Say that with me. Say stuff and things. And I want to just clarify something. God's not against us having some stuff and he's not against us having some things. We are his children and God is good to his kids. Amen. But he doesn't want to give us something that's going to kill us. He never intended for his blessing to become a curse. Right? He, he, he anointed you and he appointed you to be successful. Not for it to turn around and steal you from him. It's choking out the effectiveness of God's word and promises in your life. The challenge doesn't come in the lack of opportunities, but it comes in the abundance of opportunities. And let me tell you something. Some of you this morning have had an abundance of opportunities in front of you. I used to be a businessman and for nine years, I, me and my business partner, we grew a business that's still running great today. And, and I got this business thing inside of me that just, it won't go away. And so there's opportunities that pop up from time to time. But my challenge is not when I don't have opportunities. My challenge is, is when opportunities come, I'll be honest with you, I struggle because I go, man, that looks good. Oh man, I could give us a little boost financially. Oh, I got this thing inside of me that wants to go and win this thing. I got to go tackle it. I got to be successful. But I got I to make myself stop and say, but what is it going to cost me? What's it going to cost me? Is it going to cost me my calling? Is it going to cost me my purpose? Is it going to cost me the prophetic word over my life? What's it going to cost me? And that's why the Bible says to count the cost. Not the financial cost, but maybe the spiritual cost. So before you decide to do the next thing that, or the next opportunity that pops up in front of you, you might ought to stop and say, Lord, what is this going to cost me? I've seen it too many times in the church world how people, they'll, they'll get a little touch from God and God will anoint their life and then they'll, they'll start to be successful and God will bless them. And then all of a sudden, they're not here no more. And you go, where'd they go? Well, I got all this stuff now. God bless me. I, I got to take, Pastor, I just got a lot of stuff. I got I to take care of my stuff. And as a shepherd, I'm going, hold on a second. Hold on. God didn't touch your life to chase the stuff. He touched your life to use you the way he designed you. Amen. 
You see, you got to understand the world wants your skills. The world wants your talents. It's begging for it. It'll pay you a lot of money for your skills and your talent. But can I tell you, the God that gave all that to you wants it too. He wants it too. So it's a challenge whenever opportunities come. What's crazy is that all of a sudden, everything that used to mean so much to you now becomes small and minute in your life. When you first met Jesus, he was the biggest thing in your life. He was the joy of your life. You had a smile on your face and you loved him and you didn't care about what you had or what you didn't have. You just had Jesus and he was more than enough. Right? But then all of a sudden, something came along and started choking that out. And now, if you're honest with yourself, you'll probably have to say, he's just not as big as he used to be. I struggle to spend time with him. I struggle to talk to him. I used to talk to him all the time. Me and Jesus, we were tight. But now it's like, he's like a friend. I don't have time to spend with him. It's choked out. We're getting choked out. And God doesn't want us to be choked out. Amen? He don't want you to be choked out. You see, what's crazy is, is that when God starts to bless you, you don't fight as many demons as you used to. Now you're fighting thorns and opportunities and stuff and you're fighting things and, and you're fighting to have enough time. And all of a sudden your greatest excuse is I don't have time. I don't have time. I don't have time to do this. I don't have time to get up in the morning and pray. I don't have time to spend some time with Jesus in the morning. I don't have time to serve somebody. I don't have time to help somebody. I'm too busy with my stuff and my things. I'm not preaching from head knowledge this morning. I'm preaching from experience. I've been caught up in it. God started blessing our business. Our business doubled every year. Within three years, had 50 employees, 50 customers all over the state, running the whole state like a chicken with my head cut off. Answering the phone, I lived on my phone. I thank God my wife was able to take care of the kids. But what pressure she was under while I was busy chasing my stuff. And listen, we're supposed to work hard. Don't don't take that for granted. We're supposed to work hard. We're supposed to be successful people. We're supposed to be advancing in the world because we got God's blessing on us. That's not the problem. It becomes a problem when the stuff and the things and the, and the adventure take over the place of God in our lives. When it takes God's place, there's the problem. So if you're not careful, you end up in a place where you start going, well, golly, God, you gave me this stuff and you gave me this and you gave me these opportunities. And now all of a sudden it's wrecking my life. It's your fault. The lust for materialistic things becomes bigger in your life than the very presence of God. And the very presence of God becomes like a seed to you. Small. You forget what it's like to even be in his presence anymore. You don't hear from him anymore because you don't sit still long enough. You don't push the crowd away long enough to hear his voice. And you become distant from God. I know. 
reminded of the story of the woman with the issue of blood found in Mark chapter 5. She had an issue. She'd been in the hands of many doctors. And to no success, she still had an issue bleeding. And the Bible says that she heard that Jesus was coming by. And she said, man, if I could just get to Jesus, I could get my miracle. If I could just get to Jesus, my bleeding would stop and I would become healthy again. And I would be strong and I would be energetic again and I would have a life again. If I can just get to Jesus. Watch what it says. She had heard about Jesus. So she came up behind him through the crowd. And touched his robe. She had to press through the crowd. She's trying to get to Jesus. But it was too crowded. Are you hearing me this morning? It was too crowded. Too much stuff in the way. Too many people in her life. She had to press through the crowd. And she never got Jesus' attention until after she touched him. She had to reach, think about it, a big old crowd. She's reaching through the crowd to try and get a blessing, to try and get a miracle. She had to break through the crowdedness in her life. You see, if you're going to get a touch from God and you're going you're to be in a good, healthy relationship with God, you're going to have to break through the crowd in your life. You're going to have to do something about the crowdedness of your life. You got to break through. There's got to be something in you that says, you know what? I know I got this crowd around me now, but I got to change something. I got to do something different. I need to get a little radical because I need Jesus. It's going to take something for you to break out of this crowded life of busyness and materialism to get what you really need from Jesus. Zacchaeus, the Bible says, was a little bitty man. No pun intended. (laughs) He was a small man, the Bible says, and Zacchaeus needed Jesus in his life because his life was empty. He was desperate. There was a void inside of him that he could not ever fill up with the things of the world. He tried and tried and tried to fill him up with riches and more money and more stuff and more things. And he just found himself empty. Because listen to me. The world can't fill a hole that only God can fill. People have spent their whole lives trying to fill a void in their life with things of this world that can never fill it. Never. It don't work. Zacchaeus was small, the Bible says, and he's trying to see Jesus, and Jesus is coming down the road, but Zacchaeus couldn't see over the crowd in his life. He couldn't see. The crowd was too big. It was too crowded to see Jesus. But he was desperate, and he was empty. The Bible says he did something radical. He took off running down the road where Jesus was going to be, and he found him a tree. Come on, sharp people are innovative. Come on now. Right? You're going to see. <laughs> Big people won't get out of the way. We're going to make something. I'll punch him in the knee. We're going to see. <laughs> he runs down the road, climbs up a tree. Why? Just so he can see Jesus. Now watch this. If he doesn't do something radical, Jesus walks right on by his situation. He walks right on by Zacchaeus and he passes him on by. Wow. I wonder how many times Jesus is passing by our lives because they're so crowded. We can't even see that he's there. We can't even sense his presence. We can't even sense his anointing. We can't even feel the wind of the Holy Spirit anymore. 
Because life is too busy, it's too crowded. Zacchaeus did something crazy. Sometimes our lives were, are so filled with appointments and opportunities and promotions and hobbies and traveling and sports and that we crowd out God's prophetic word and direction over our lives. And listen to me, there's nothing wrong with those things. It just becomes a problem when those things get in the way of your relationship with Jesus. There was a paralyzed man in Mark chapter 2 that had four good friends. It's always good to have good friends, right? Usually four. The Bible says four. I, I think you ought to have at least four good friends. Come on, somebody. Friends that'll do this. They'll tell you the truth about yourself. When you're being a knothead, they'll say, bro, you're being a knothead. When you treat your woman bad, dude, you can't talk to her like that. You need those kinds of friends in your life. Amen? The Bible says the man was paralyzed. But Jesus was in town. And he wanted to see Jesus, but he couldn't get there by himself because of his condition. So his friends picked him up to bring him to Jesus, but they couldn't get in the building because it was too crowded. They couldn't even get in the door. They couldn't even, nothing. There was no way to get into Jesus. And they could have stopped and walked away and said, buddy, we'll have to catch him next time. But thank God he had some really good friends that you say, you know what? We can't get in through the door, but bro, I know how to break into a house. Come on, we can't get through the door. We can't get in here legally, but we're going to come from another way. Right? You need some friends that ain't going to give up on you. You need some friends that are going to pull you and carry you into the place that you need to be. You need some friends that will be willing to take you through the crowdedness of your life to meet Jesus. They'll say to you, you need to slow down a little bit. You need to slow down. Are you hearing from God? Are you sure you're supposed to be doing this? I know it's a beautiful opportunity, but are you sure it's a God opportunity? Because not every good opportunity is a God opportunity. Amen? So they carry him up on the roof, and they start ripping the roof apart. I think Jesus was like, oh, something about to happen now. And they lowered him down right into the presence of Jesus. They broke through the crowd. Man, say, I need a friend like that. You don't need to hang around people like you. You need to hang around people better than you. Because if you hang around with people like you, you're going to stay just like you are. You get around some people with a better marriage than yours, they're going to provoke you to have a better marriage. You get around some folks that can hear the voice of God and won't let the overcrowded life take them over, you need to get around those people. But they, they can help you get rid of the crowd and the clutter of your life. Amen? If you only hang out with people that you're as good as or better than, you're never going to get better. I'll never forget Ethan was a little boy and my dad paid for karate. You know what grandparents do? They sign your kids up for things that you got to be at during the week. So every Tuesday and Thursday, I think we had to bring Ethan to karate. And so I'm in there and I was kind of fired up about it, you know, because my, it's my boy, you know, saying he's learning how to kick somebody's tail. That's straight up what I thought. Like He needs to learn how to fight. And he's in there, man, and he's learning. He's, he's doing pretty decent, but they got this one kid that's just good. He must have been, like, born in the karate class or something. I mean, this kid, he was like, like Chuck Norris on steroids. I mean, he was just, he was bad. And so one day after practice, I grabbed Ethan. You remember this, son? I grabbed him. I said, hey, I said, if you really want to get better, you need to stop fighting against and sparring against these other kids that are just as good as you. You need to tell coach I want to fight him. And he looked at me. I said, yeah, I'm telling you, it's going to work. 
Yeah, but it's going to hurt. <laughs> That's okay. The pain will go away before you get married. <laughs> you got to fight him, son. Why, dad? Because he's better than you. You start fighting him, you're going to get better. You see it? You see how it works? You need to get some people around you that will help you break through the crowdedness of your life. I think about the innkeeper in Luke chapter 2. Here comes Mary and Joseph and Jesus is getting ready to be born. And Mary's carrying the Savior of the world in her belly. Come on, y'all. She's carrying Jesus in her belly. The Savior of the world. Immaculate conception. In other words, you can't explain it. They're looking for a place because it's time for Jesus to come out. And they knock on the inn. They say, hey, we need a room. Jesus is about to come. And the innkeeper said, we're sold out. Sold out. There's no more room for you. But I got a barn in the back. You can have that. Now, I wonder sometimes what would have happened to that family if they'd have said, you know what? You can take my bed. You can take my room, baby. Come on, shy baby, with your little belly. Come on now. I got a room for you, girl. You ain't going to no barn. You're going to come up in this house. We're going to help you have that baby. Think about the blessings that would have come to that family. Think about the experience they would have had if the Son of God, the Savior of the world, would have been born in their house. Make room for God. Make room for God, and you never know what's going to get birthed in your life. Don't be sold out to so many things that you can't be sold out to God anymore. Is there room in your life for a fresh touch from God, for an anointing from God? You know, the reason you're good in business is because God's anointed you. (laughs) You weren't born that good. I don't care how much you think you were. God's anointed your life. You got the ability to make money. That's God's anointing on your life. Is there room for a fresh touch? Or is there too much materialism and worldly things in your life? And I want you to hear me this morning. I'm not saying you're an evil person. I'm not saying you're a a, a sinner. I'm not saying that you're, you're evil and wicked. I'm just saying that you're overcrowded. And you need to come out of the crowd and get back into the presence of God again. Amen? It's, it's, it's an opportunity for all of us to get thrown into the thorns of life and get choked out. No one's exempt. There's no room for Jesus. The average attendance for a family today in America for Sunday service is once a month. Think about that. Once a month. How are you going to explain that when you stand before God one day? Well, Lord, you know, I made it to church when I could. You mean whenever it was available, you went to church to hang out with God's people, to be in God's presence, to worship and lift up his holy name, which he commands us to do. You're going to tell him, well, I went when I could. That'd be like your kids telling you, I'll be your son when I can. When it's convenient for me. told my 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 god child they're they're struggling going to church they go to church maybe once a month and they have all kinds of excuses lafayette traffic is an excuse he lives in Nigeria. i said brother got some good churches in Nigeria. 
I told him, I said, you need, y'all need to make this decision one time in your life. You need to make it quick. Every Sunday, we're going to spend it in the house of God. Where we can lift up his name with some other people that love him too. And we can be in his presence and we can hear an encouraging prophetic word from God for our lives. Amen. It's not a decision we make on Sunday morning. It's a decision we make one time. I'm glad I don't have to make that decision anymore. My kids don't wonder. Ethan, do you wonder if we're coming to church on Sunday? You're like, yeah, but pastor, he's on the worship team and and she's on the worship team. You the preacher. Y'all got to be there. Way before I was a preacher, bro. I made that decision. This is in my favorite place of the week. Long before I became a preacher. Because it's better to be around God's people. Amen. I mean, I've been in the world all week. I need to come in here and give me a little touch. I need to see somebody got a little life in them, a little joy in them, got a little purpose and hope. Right? Is there room in your life for Jesus or is it overcrowded? There's a story of Jairus' daughter in Matthew chapter 9. And he was an official at the synagogue and he came to Jesus and he said, Lord, my daughter died. But if you'll come and lay your hands on her, she'll come back to life. Watch this story. When Jesus arrived at the official's home, he saw the noisy crowd and heard the funeral music. Get out, he told them. The girl isn't dead. She's only asleep. But the crowd laughed at him. And after the crowd was put outside... However, Jesus went in and took the girl by the hand and she stood up. The house was consumed with wailing and depression and sadness and crying and the loss. And it was just, it was weighed down. And Jesus walks into the scene and he says, hey, get out. (laughs) Come on, you got some people in your life. You need to look at them and say, get out. I don't need your negativity anymore. I don't need your depressive spirit around me anymore. Amen? Get out. Sometimes Jesus is saying to us, will you just give me a little bit of room to work? Can I get a little room right here? Come on, you ever been like that? Somebody's crowding you like, back the heck up? I never forget in football, if somebody got hurt, everybody be like, Whoa. I'm like, the brother can't even breathe. Y'all sucking up all the oxygen. Can y'all just back up? Let the paramedic work. <laughs> right? I find it funny that the miracle didn't happen till the crowd left. Till the crowdedness was gone. If you read the gospels, you see Jesus was running from the crowd. The crowd was chasing him. Mm. I wonder if we'll quit trying to do everything in our own strength and abilities. If Jesus won't bring everything to us. I wonder if we quit chasing it. If we'll still survive. (laughs) Because the lie of the enemy is is that it all depends on you. And if you don't show up. And you don't go to work. And you don't do this. And you don't take that opportunity. You're going to drown and die. That's a lie. Because his word says seek first my kingdom and my righteousness and I, says the Lord, will add all these things to you. Amen. Give him a big hand this morning. 
He don't want you to be overcrowded. He don't want you to get so consumed with trying to provide for yourself that you lose him. He said, you just seek after me and I'll bring it to you. Come on, I should be freeing somebody up this morning. He's trying to get depression out of your life, but he needs some room to work. He's trying to bring you victory in some things, but he needs some room to work. He's trying to bless your life, but it's overcrowded and he can't get to you. I wonder what we're missing with all of our overcrowdedness. What power are we missing with our overcrowded lives? Jesus is saying to us this morning, just make room for me. Listen to me, if you'll just make some room for me, I'll get up in your life and I'll show myself strong and you'll fall so much in love with me that you're going to keep making room for me. Because you're going to be like, no, this room ain't big enough. We got to make it a little bit bigger. We need to make more room for Jesus because I need more of him. Amen. And when crazy people come around, no, I ain't got time for that. I'm spending time with Jesus, right? You'll start pushing drama out your life. Holla. Like, you're messing up my Jesus. You're messing up my Jesus time. No, I'm serious. If you'll make room for him, he will come in. And he will move like he's only, like only he can move. And you'll get way more done with less sweat when you got Jesus in the room. Jairus said, man, if you'll just come and put your hands on my little girl. She'll come back to life. He was desperate. And when Jesus walked up, he told the crowd, he said, get out. Get out. Take your music and get out. Take your sorrow and get out. You can't believe God for a miracle when you're full of sorrow. Come on, sorrow don't call down miracles. Sorrow reaps about what's already happened and it's the end of the world. Amen. But faith says, you know what? I feel like sorrow, but I'm going to believe that God's coming and he's going to do something incredible. He told him, get out. And then the Bible says, after the crowd was put out, not asked to leave. (laughs) I want you to catch the attitude right here because some of you need to get this attitude this morning. You don't need to tiptoe around your crowdedness. For some of you, you need to cut some stuff now. You need to grab it by the back of the belt and the shirt collar and you need to escort it to the door and you need to say, you got to go and throw it out the door. I ain't got time for you. I ain't got room for you no more. I need Jesus and I'm willing to get rid of stuff and things to be with Jesus. Amen. You may need to get a little radical. Don't tiptoe with your stuff. Don't tiptoe with the things. It's making sense this morning. We need to make room for him in our house and in our families. And I'll tell you what breaks my heart is that some of you, the only vision you got for your life is a television. You have no plan. You have no purpose. You have no meaning in life. Listen to me, if all you ever worry about is how much money you're going to make this week, you have no vision for your life. 
What you need to be thinking about is how can I overcome these devils in my life, get closer to Jesus, make more room for him so that I can leave a legacy to the generations that are coming after me. And it's so much better than money. Amen? Can't have a vision when you're overcrowded, the wrong stuff. Make room for him. Because here's the truth. Everything that we're killing ourselves to get, it's already in Jesus. When you get that big check and your heart feels all fulfilled and victorious, and you know it ain't going to last long because the bill's already there, right? You know that feeling you get, that temporary feeling of, ah, we can breathe, got a little money. Ah, you know that same feeling? That same condition is found in your relationship with Jesus and you can have it all the time. No matter how much money you got or don't have. Better to be broke with Jesus than to have money without him. Come on. I'm not preaching a broke gospel, but I'm just saying. I believe God wants us to have some stuff and some things. And I think he wants us to be a a lender and not a borrower. That means you got to have some money to do that. Listen to me. God wants you to be prosperous and successful, but not at the cost of a relationship with him. It's not worth it. He died on a cross for you, not to lose you. He's blessing you not to lose you. Come on. Is Jesus the biggest thing in your life? You're going to have to answer that question. Is Jesus the biggest thing in my life, I'm going to wrap it up with this last story from the Old Testament. When, when Saul was getting ready to be anointed king. 1 Samuel chapter 10. Samuel had, had went to God because the people were begging for their first king. Israel had not had a king up until this point. And they desperately wanted a man to lead them. Up until this point, they were led by judges. And they wanted somebody to lead them. So they cried out to God and begged God to give them a king. And so Samuel heard from God and he, he found Saul and he said to Saul to do a certain couple of certain things. And Saul did and Saul knew he was going to be anointed king before this part of the story. But we pick it up in verse 21 and it's the day. It's the day that Saul is getting ready to be anointed king over Israel. Watch this. And finally Saul, son of Kish, was chosen from among them. But when they looked for him, he disappeared. So they asked the Lord, where is he? And the Lord replied, he's hiding among the baggage. So they found him and brought him out. Now this dude's getting ready to be king of the greatest nation on the planet. And he's hiding in the stuff. I wonder how many of you God wants to anoint to lead something in your life, but you're too busy with the baggage to get the anointing. You're too busy with your stuff to come out of it and get what God has for you. And let me tell you something. Those of you that think you're successful right now, if you'll just push that to the side and put God first, he'll show you what real success is. You'll be rich with a good wife, a good family, a good marriage, great kids. That's real blessing. Blessing in numbers in a checkbook. Blessing is life. Amen. That's real blessing. You'll have friends that actually mean something to you. 
Saul was hiding in the baggage. It was too crowded to even become king. God was ready to anoint him king. Samuel had the horn of oil ready to pour it out on him. And they couldn't find him. Because he had too much stuff around him. Are you seeing it? You seeing it this morning? I used to think, man, one day when I I make some real money. Boy, boy, boy. Life's going to be good. It's fun. I'll tell you that. It was fun. But I lost out in the process. <laughs> the problem with opportunities is they come with temptations attached to them. You end up missing out on the promises and the revelation of why you are here. You remember the old bumper sticker? He who dies with the most stuff wins. Yeah, how many of y'all remember that bumper sticker? Come on, I was, I'm dating myself. Five of y'all, dang. Well, that's good, we're a younger church. They had a bumper sticker. Let me explain this to all you young folks. They had a bumper sticker that said, he who dies with the most stuff wins. And it was crazy. Everybody went and got him a bump a bumper sticker. He who died like they had the most stuff. I'm like, what? Here's the truth. He who dies with Jesus and not much stuff wins. Amen? He who dies with Jesus wins because in the end you can't bring your stuff with you. I did a funeral this past week. <laughs> Probably she's not here. I did a funeral this past week. And I looked and I walked around and I looked at the man in the casket and he had a check in his pocket. And I went, I said, hey, I said, he got a check in his pocket. She said, oh, he'd been wearing my mom out for years, saying, making a promise that he, she was going to bury him with his money. So she wrote him a check. And the memo, she put good luck check, cashing it. <laughs> I'm not lying to you. I did a funeral this week. I was like, you serious? It's an old joke, but I finally saw it come to life. I thought that was really cool. He didn't win with the check in his pocket. Come on, somebody, because he couldn't cash it. And if it was cash, he couldn't spend it. Come on, it don't work it. <laughs> come out of the stuff. Come out of the overcrowdedness in your life. Come back to Jesus and make him the priority of your life. Come back to the place where Jesus is the greatest joy of your life. And he's inviting you today to come back. Come out of the stuff. Come back to me. Come back to your first love. Find your joy in me again. That's his invitation to us today. The greatest test is After you've been blessed, can you give it all to him again? Can you give it all to him again? I can remember when we didn't have much. I was riding a bicycle to work. We couldn't even afford to eat at McDonald's. You remember that, babe? I mean, like if we had some extra, we went to McDonald's, y'all. Boom, that Sunday ain't ever tasted so good. When you hadn't had it in four months. We didn't have much, 
But can I tell you something? God's blessed my life. We are blessed people. I have a blessed family. And I thank God for it. I got some stuff. And I thank God for it. The fight is, is to not let the stuff take the place of God in my life anymore. Amen? Because I can have all my stuff and be more broke than I used to be. Come on, be bankrupt without Jesus. He wants to bless you. He wants to be good to you. He loves you. He cares for you. He's for you. Jesus, if Jesus inside of you is not bigger than what people see on the outside of you, then you're not very powerful. My life's been overcrowded. Is that you this morning? No room for miracles, no room for prayer, no room for regular church attendance, no room for power, no room to hear his voice anymore. We need to surrender our stuff and our things and get loose from the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of materialism and return to the biggest joy in our lives. So what do we do? What do we do? After you hear a message like this, after God speaks to you like he just spoke to you, what do you do? The Bible's real clear. You repent. Repent means to turn your heart from where you're at back towards God. And I want you to understand something. To God, your direction is way more important than your current location. Just because you're standing right here in the middle of your mess, God's not freaking out about that if your direction is back towards him. So we turn our hearts back to him and we repent and we say, Lord, I let this stuff get in the way of me and you. I let these things get in the way. Lord, I let these things make you small in my life. And they became the biggest thing in my life. And that was the only place I found joy. But Lord, today I turn my heart back to you. I turn my heart back to you. You can have all my stuff, Lord. You can take it. I don't need it anymore. You're more than, you're more than all this stuff. These is just temporal things. You're eternal, right? We turn our hearts back to him. You remember the story of the prodigal son? When he decided to come home, what did the father do? The father was waiting for him to come back. And when he saw him coming, he took off running after him. You know why? Because he didn't want him to change his mind. He didn't want him to go back out again. He came running to him. And listen to me, if you'll turn your heart back to God today, he'll come running to you. He'll come running to you because he wants you. He wants to be in relationship with you. Just repent. Confess. Turn your heart back. Come out of the stuff and watch God pour himself into you like never before.